Hello, everyone. Welcome to Popcast on the Rocks, episode 89. We're back for another great show. We're going to talk about pop culture things that we enjoy, and sometimes there's whiskey. I'm joined, as always, by Andrea. Hello, everyone. And uh, new guest, Mike. He needs no Hi. last name. <laughs> <laughs> So um, we're going to be talking later in the episode. We're having Mike on specifically to talk about Witcher in season two from Netflix. Um, we'll, of course, be getting into season one and many things Witcher. Um, that'll be in the latter half of the episode. So if you have not, if you're not familiar with the Witcher world, um, better go catch up quick. Um, before that, we'll have a few news stories and see what we've been doing throughout the week. And before even that, Andrea... There's some drink holidays, right? There are. There are. Welcome to 2022 and uh, the drink holidays that this year brings. Um, We've got a couple of different ones, kind of some interesting mixes. Uh, But apparently this year, the entire month of January is going to be known as January, which I find adorable and cute that somebody thought of this. And uh, why hasn't it been thought of before? Um, But yes, this month is known as January, so celebrate with your favorite gin beverage. Um, and then on the 1st of January, uh, or January, uh, there were two holidays. Uh, one, hardly surprising, uh, it is known as National Hangover Day. Obviously, everybody can guess what happens the night before to, uh, to cause that moniker. Um, and then, you. yeah, right? Such a mystery. Mm-hmm. Um, I also feel like this, to deviate for just a moment, National Hangover Day could really be January 1st, but it's, it could also be the Monday after the Super Bowl. Because, seriously, like, everybody knows after what happens Saint Patrick's the Super Bowl. Day. After St. Patrick's Day. I there mean, are just, like, I feel like several different good days that this would just be really fitting. Okay. I've also got the problem I'm old enough now where I think I need two National Hangover Days, like, back-to-back. <laughs> Like, the next day is not sufficient. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. No, like, the next day is, like, hardcore, like, cu- curl yourself up in a ball and just survive day. And then, like, the next day is, like, <laughs> you know, t- like, feebly totter out of bed and maybe eat some toast kind of, you know. <laughs> like, yeah. No, I totally feel that. Hashtag 30s. Yay. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so the first was National Hangover Day. And then also kind of going along with that, it's also known as National Bloody Mary Day. Which, you know, some people use as a little hair of the dog in the morning to help you get over your hangover. Um, I do like a good Bloody Mary, but I just, like, knowing my own sense of, like, having a hangover, that would not work out well for me. That would not be my hangover cure of choice. (laughs) But I'm sure it works for some people. Acidic tomato juice. and I mean, do you guys prescribe to the idea of hair of the dog, you know, Mm-hmm. Pick yourself up, uh, you know. I, I, for me, the last thing I want to think about is anything alcoholic. So I yeah. usually don't do that. Yeah, I'm I like fifty fifty. Okay. I, I I feel like there are different hangovers, like depending on what you've been drinking. So if I'm like hungover from like wine only or something like that, then I'm just like all dried out and no i don't the last thing i want is like alcohol i just want like gulps of water you know any mm-hmm. any any sort of like fluids in my system kind of thing if i'm like drinking hard alcohol then like 
there's there's a moment or two where I'm like, yeah, maybe I could have a little like something in the morning just to kind of yeah. like settle it all down. No, I, I can't. I can't touch <laughs> anything the next day. I, I had a bus though on a, the morning after the January 1st uh, yeah. years ago uh, in college. I remember waking up on the couch, my buddy's on the floor next to me and there's a bottle of Patron next to him. And I wake up kind of groggy. He wakes up to about the same time. He rolls over, slams one back. And I went, nah, that's enough. <laughs> just watching you do it is more than what I do. <laughs> yep. I, wow. Uh... I mean, I've never gone quite that far. Um, that's pretty impressive to just roll over and just like, well, my morning started. Shooters. Right. <laughs> so let's heal but, up. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I've had like, you know, you know, like a little vodka orange juice, you know, or a little vodka juice, something like, you know, just just kind of like tamp down a headache or, you know, bring it bring it down a level. But yeah, it's it's rare. Yep. Well, um, hopefully you all didn't have too bad hangovers um, yeah. on the first zero free. Oh, yeah. Well, zero for you. OK, but. I drank. Yep. I'm, I'm not saying oh, I didn't did. drink on New Year's Eve, but yeah, okay. I had zero hangover. Shockingly. Okay. You're, you're, you're just back on the bottle now, right? Though it's pretty, pretty recent. That's not a good way to phrase it, but. <laughs> <laughs> just back on the sauce. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Well, awesome. Um, all right, Mike, you are new to the podcast. What do you, why don't you tell us just a little bit about yourself, whatever you want to reveal, um, what have you been up to consuming, uh, entertainment wise, all that kind of thing. Sure. Uh, oh. oh my but gosh. I also come You're from like first person shooters and whatnot. Start uh -oh. over, Mike. You uh -oh. broke up. Sorry. All right. No, it's just telling, it's a, it's the world telling me that nobody wants to hear about cars so quiet right <laughs> <laughs> um so um I, i've been playing a lot of halo lately that's something that's mm -hmm. um you know with halo infinite coming out i still haven't gotten the campaign but i've been doing a lot of multiplayer in that it is the off season for my favorite hobby which is um amateur track driving time attack stuff um and so I've been getting into sim racing quite a bit. We started last year, did a league with our buddies. And so winter is the time for, for that and uh, wasting money on new car parts that I can't put on until my hands stop freezing in the garage. Mm. Um, obviously, watching, watching winter has been a big part of it. We finished up Wheel of Time. Um, so we've been absorbing that. And our, our child is uh, six years old now. And so he's starting to do like he's starting to take up our time. Like I, I can't be selfish as much anymore because he's had uh, skating lessons, swimming lessons. We go go karting. He's got to be with his friends at some point. We go to skating on the back rink. I don't know how to skate, so I stand there and look like a goofball, um, <laughs> you know, and slide around on the ice a little bit while he out there skates circles around me. Uh, <laughs> so that's really where our time has been. <laughs> you too. I'm a terrible skater. Yeah, so I'm such a clutch. That's a little bit about me. <laughs> I should, uh, I need new skates. I should go get some and, and uh, I can break them in on your rink. <laughs> on your, there you go. Yeah. Cause, uh, it works perfect. Somebody else in the neighborhood clears it off. So I don't even have to put any work into it. 
Nice. nice. Pretty nice. Cool. Yeah. That's great. So, um, couple things. Um, Wheel of Time, we talked about that last week. Uh, and a oh, few weeks, yeah. really. Um, so, <laughs> without spoilers, um, for those that haven't seen it, what are your general, what's your background with it? Did you binge it? You know, wait till it's done and watch it as it came out. What what, what are your general thoughts on it? Yeah, all that stuff. So my wife is uh, an avid reader to the point of she's an alien. Um, <laughs> she knocked out all 14 books in the last year. Nice. Um, which blew me away. Uh, and then mm-hmm. when she did it, she finished the book. And I remember her going like, I'm sad. And I went. Oh, is a sad ending? She goes, No, I'm like sad that it's done. It's like it's like it just absorbed her for so long. Um, so I got to kind of hear about the story vicariously through her, which is nice because I'm an idiot and I don't know. So it's really nice for her to just tell me the story, like we're cave people in an old cave, you know, and she's like <laughs> passing it down generations and I'm like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so then we did, we watched the series and we stuck with it every Friday uh as it was coming through um and i guess overall thoughts on it were i enjoyed it for a little while um i don't know if it was her slight disappointment that kind of rubbed off on me as well but i just kind of felt like it fell flat after a little while and i stopped i wasn't as invested i wasn't caring as much as i thought i was going to be so um that's kind of where i landed with it it was an okay show okay all right. Yeah. Um, so her having finished all the books, thought it was, it was kind of was on the same page there. A little disappointed, but I mean, are either yeah. is she excited for the se- season two or is it like, oh, we'll kind of be done oh. with this or? By the end of it, she was like, well, we have to watch the last episode just to finish it, just for the sake mm. of having finished it. Mm. She actually okay. didn't care by that point either. I guess they changed enough things um, from it where and changing things can be good, right? Because it gives her something to continue learning, but it wasn't in a way that appealed to her. So, mm-hmm. okay, sure. Yeah. Yeah. It was in- oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I know. Um, I mean, it's been a while for me from the first book, but I mean, I've reread it uh, in my attempts to reread the series enough times to remember um you know a lot of the big things that were cut out from the season um and major characters that don't appear and it's pretty frustrating as somebody who loves the books and loves like the the timeline and kind of wonders how these characters who are um in the first book and are not in the first series are going to be woven in because it doesn't seem like there's going to be a natural way for that to happen so it is really in, frustrating is to me. I know the weeds, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can when I I can when I try sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so I totally get that sense of frustration. Um, there were there were definitely moments for me too, um, when it seemed like storylines were being picked up and then were dropped kind of unceremoniously. Um, that I also was very frustrated about. I'm I'm hopeful for season two just because I think that they have a better grasp on what they're doing and they have like more background now. So much of wheel of time is background and like world building 
that it's really tough to do in a TV show. And I just don't know that they, they did it well, but they also didn't give themselves enough time to do it. Yeah, there's, I mean, go ahead. No, no, it's, I mean, it's, um, I hate always saying like, you need more budget because I think a lot of problems are created in, in media when we just have, yeah. yeah, you know, um, it's a George Lucas problem, but, um, on the other hand, when it's a science fiction or fantasy show, there is a certain budget requirement kind of to compete. Mm-hmm. Um, and though that can be overridden with like really spectacular storytelling, um, it's, it can be kind of tough. And I, I, I have hope that the next season, because the first season seems to be doing so well that they'll throw some more money at it. You know, they'll get someone a little more competent behind the lens. Um, I don't know about translation from the books to the show, if that's going to change, you know, Mm -hmm. I feel like that's probably they're on their path. They have their advisors for it and all that kind of thing. But, um, having not come from the books or any knowledge of it, that was where most of my issues lied was, um, with the technical element of it. Mm -hmm. I've complained on here before, Mike, about how I I'm tired of watching things that seem like they're just young adult things. They're just, they're kind of pretty. They're kind of soft. They're not, it, I, I talked about how like video creation is so democratized now that like anyone can do it. And so there's a bunch of people that can make something that's good enough. That's fine. But you know, I'm, I'm looking for the thing with the, it's a little more realistic, I guess. Let's, it's a tall order. I mean, you're talking about 14 books. Some of them are thousands of pages, right? And I get to talk like this, like I've read them, even though uh, I can't take the real credit. But that's a massive undertaking of story. And thankfully, you know, you can't compress that into a two and a half or even three hour movie. So that's the nice part about doing it as a series like this. But even still, right, to your point, if you're talking about a budget that is limiting you to eight episodes, Right? Mm-hmm. How are you supposed to cover enough ground when you're reading it? You can go at your own pace, right? And so that character development can take the time that it needs to. But mm-hmm. um, on a TV show, you just don't have that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, okay. Well, um, we'll be interested to see uh, when season two gets announced. When that's happening, any changes that are coming up in that, and we'll be we'll be covering it. So. Um, <laughs> Let's see. So one other thing I wanted to ask you about uh, your week, but I can't think of it now. Um, but I will ask, did you bring a beverage? I should have asked earlier. Mm-hmm. I only, uh, you have a libation. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I mean, it's in Classic like a... Okay, so it is. It's in and in the vessel. All right. It is. Yep. Cool. I, I guess Andrew, I should have had gin thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. What do they call that? Uh, English mule? I think they right? do. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then when you make it with tequila, it's a Mexican mule, mm-hmm. vodka. Yeah. It's all pretty. Just it's the take Russian. The stereotypes. Yeah. 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 Yep. So, yeah. Um, Andrea, how about you? Drinks, your week, all that stuff? Cheers. Ooh. Is green looking? Yes, yes. So this was partially Chris's idea. 
um, with the use of food coloring to make it green after a blizzard, which is a witcher potion. So, you know, cheers. A uh, blizzard? For witcher talk. Witcher yeah. potion? Yeah. What the heck is that? Yeah. Um, let me, yeah. Okay, me so I have to say, um, and we'll talk about it more later, but um, part of the, uh, one of the things with the game is I barely use potions. Like, they kind of make a big deal of it, out of them. But in Witcher 3, anyways, I barely use that stuff. So I guess I wouldn't be too familiar with some of the potions. Yeah, so it's in the Witcher 3, and it's like, can slow time and like enhance, you know, like, like, mm. I think it's like sort of mimicking what Geralt does in like the Netflix show, which is my main point of reference when he obviously drinks his Witcher potion and, you know, goes mm -hmm. to fight an enemy. So, yeah, so this is modeled after that. Um, it is gin, uh, ginger ale, and a little bit of lemon, simple syrup, and then, of course, green dye because okay. this is not a natural drink color. <laughs> <laughs> All That's right. awesome. So you got the gin tastes, in there too. Tastes quite good. Yes, it's very good. Awesome. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah, your week. Going along with my week, it's been pretty good. Have uh, consumed quite a bit of media. Um, several of my favorite Netflix shows, besides Witcher, are back. Um, I watched a couple of episodes of Cobra Kai because, yes, I love it. And it's all its teeny tweeny, you know, but also like, 80s star revival glory. Um, I dig it. I'm not done with the season, but I like what I've seen so far. Um, I watched Queer Eye, which is also back and just like gives me all the feel good feels because I love just like the storylines and like people getting helped and like all the good deeds that are done, not just like makeovers, but like other things too. So I feel like I need that sort of like feel good storyline TV sometimes. Um, and then going along with that feel good storyline TV, I watched Betty White, first lady of television, which was like an hour long Netflix special about the career of Betty White. Um, Wait, they threw that sadly... together fast. Were they sitting yeah. on that or what? I don't, I don't, I think it was actually supposed to be for her hundredth birthday oh. that was coming up that she didn't sadly make, make yeah. it to because she passed away. Um, but it was it was just so much fun. It was like a cute look at like, of course, like the big things that we know she's done, like the Golden Girls um, and all like the the kind of latter half of her career being like, you know, feisty, but sweet grandma and movies yeah. like the Proposal, her Snickers commercial, which I like totally forgot about, but is hilarious where she like pretends to go play, you know, touch football with a group of guys in a park. And they're like, you're playing like Betty White out there. Um, so yeah, so just like little gems like that, that I totally forgot about, but it was very cute, uh, a little sad, a little, you know, bittersweet, mm -hmm. but, um, it's only on Netflix for a couple more days. So if you have a chance, I would check oh, it I out. See. It's, it's not long. Um, so I watched that. I somehow noticed on Amazon prime when I was, um, scrolling through the wheel of time, kind of, you know, um, bonus video series i was just kind of playing around on, with other things um and looking at like recommendations made for me um the first season of a discovery of witches was available via amazon prime so i plowed through all eight episodes of that um also based on a book series uh the all souls trilogy by deborah harkness 
definitely a thumbs up. Um, hmm. the, the storyline didn't quite um, match my expectations, but I think it was overcome with good acting, good character development, and pretty sweet special effects. Like, the some of the special effects in here was kind of what I was hoping Wheel of Time mm. would do. I mean, I know, like, witches and Aes Sedai are, are a little bit different and, like, powers are a little bit different. Um, but the way that the effects were done in this show, I cannot say enough good things about whoever was the technical director there. So, okay, yeah. Would definitely recommend impressive. that show. I would imagine it was... I would think it would be lower budget if it wasn't kind of a, a primary Amazon Prime. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. So I can't remember what it it was like a channel that made oh. this show like wow. Some like Sundance channel or uh, man, I I'm going to have to go back and look at it. Um but they clearly saved like a lot of their budget just for these effects. Um and I I think they were helped by the fact that they like you know, didn't have to like world build like Wheel of Time did, where it's like you have to create this whole like city backdrops and towns and, you know, all of that kind of stuff needed special effects budgets. They could just literally save it for here's your powers and here's how we're showing like, you know, witches' powers. Um, so there was some pretty cool stuff in there for sure. Nice. Um, so your comments say that you're halfway through Witcher season two, right? Yeah. Okay. I just saw that as well. Okay. So we're going to have to be, we're going to have to be careful. <laughs> Mike, yes. you're going to have to make it to another podcast to do the set latter half, but that'll be fine. Cause we're going to have, um, you know, <laughs> the first season yet too. So there'll be extra to cover there. So, yeah, I mean, Witcher is unfortunately one of those where I do have to wait for Chris to be available to watch with me just because now we binge the entire first season and the first half of yeah. this one, like we're so close. Yep. So, right. Okay. Well, cool. Um, yeah, I should get back into Cobra Kai. I just, I'm, I'm behind. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I'd said before I had, I had trouble with some of the decisions being made by characters. It was really frustrating for me. Mm -hmm. um i just didn't feel like putting myself through it so yeah i feel like they've taken a step back in at least the first few episodes that i've watched um and are focusing on just a few characters it's not like everybody is super prominent right now so they're able to sort of have these characters make decisions that don't like drive you up a wall there's like okay. one moment that does but then everything else feels like pretty pretty normal yep hey I stuck through that show for all three of the first seasons, yeah. the three first seasons. And, and I loved it. I loved the throwback. I loved the spin on, you know, the fact that Johnny is, you know, you're giving, they're giving us aspects of Johnny's personality to see his point of view on it. And they spun the story a little bit. And I, I liked that. I loved it. And I love the back and forth. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and you'd think they're about to turn over a new leaf and then, their old ways kind of trigger back and it, it's almost like he gets like hit in the back of his mind he's like wait no i gotta be awesome and i yeah. like that <laughs> <laughs> and now with season four it's that same thing and and you know they're they're coming together and then they're splitting up and they're coming and i'm, I'm kind of like all right guys like, i get it i get it at this point now you, you got to show me something different. i want to see some growth four seasons in. right have you finished the fourth season i haven't i haven't okay yeah, so question. I, <laughs> yeah, 
No, I, I totally, I totally haven't either. And I, I totally feel what you're feeling. Like there were the first two episodes in particular, there was like a lot of like back and forth and we're almost like together, but then we're not. And I'm like, eh. <laughs> um, and then there was like the, I think it's the third episode where they do like genuinely have some like middle ground at the, yep. yeah. And I'm hoping, so I haven't seen beyond that. So I'm hoping that goes somewhere. I don't, I don't need it to immediately, but I agree with you. Like in the long term, I need like some actual steps forward. This is like the fourth season now. We're about midway through. I'm like, they're going to see, they're going to understand each other's perspectives. They're going to come together. They're going to be buddies. And they're going to take over. And then they're like, yeah, you still suck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I wonder so if close. to uh, me, I think it's a thing that they came out with, didn't expect it to blow up. And so they're like, okay. We've got to make this mm. happen for longer. You know, this needs to happen. We need to spread this out some. And so it's the thing, you know, the couple, once they get together, if that's what you hinge your drama on, and now the drama's done because the couple's together, it's not the same. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Good point. Yeah, I totally get that. I just think like Cobra Kai has now introduced other antagonists that we can take like you a. You can move on. Yeah, we can take a beat to focus on them. Um, and in particular, they're, they're introducing another one in the fourth season. Don't think I'm giving anything away here, but just saying mm-hmm. there, there's another person in the fourth season who, you know, we can have um, Johnny and Daniel, like, team up against. And so, like, why don't we just do it? Like, right. they, can, they can still do that and still not be like, we love each other, like, thugs. Yeah. You know? Like, we don't have to, like, sit down every Friday night, have a brew, and talk about our feelings and, like, you know, bond. But, you know, we can, like, come together. Especially because I think one of the good things about both of those characters is that they do care about their students. And they do care about, like, the younger kids in the show. And you can, like, see that. And I think there's room there for the showrunners to be like, cool, they can bond over this. Like, they don't have to be besties but they can just like be like this would be in the common good of our students who we both care about so let's just like figure some shit out right yeah yeah well and even I'm... if you enjoy that at the end of the season then and start it up again that's fine mm-hmm. but just like <laughs> i want to see the success for a moment yep 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 i totally agree well, i have to say i'm happy that my gym is not does not have that kind of drama <laughs> and we don't have like a neighboring down other side of the town gym that we have to feud <laughs> with or something. Cause the, the master instructors don't get along. Right. So. You don't have to show. Up. You got to start. Yeah, one there up. we go. There we go. <laughs> challenge, challenge thrown down, challenge accepted. Yeah. It's going to come up I, to your house and just like bust in when you're having a party. We're here to fight. <laughs> I think it'd be more realistic if it was like a different discipline, you know? So, because that, that's a common thing. Everybody that's just getting started in martial arts or something that doesn't have respect for the other ones or whatever wants to think the one they're doing is cool, down talks to the other, you know, to a different, different discipline. So, because we got Taekwondo and one and across the street is a karate, karate gym, then it would be, uh, yeah. So, but Mike, you'd be, I know, you'd be, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you can start a gym yet, can you? I, I mean, I can. I don't think I'll get any students. <laughs> I don't know. I'll, I'll come in. 
I'll come in. I got see, it's already starting, buddy. Yeah, I mean, you guys are you guys are the revolution is now. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, here let's uh, I'll drive an hour and twenty minutes to go to your gym. Yeah, Johnny would do that. He's petty enough. Right. Yeah. Um. Well, I've had some things in common this week. Obviously, um, Witcher. I say some things in common. That's about it, actually. Uh, the rest was like manga and anime, pretty much. A um, little bit of Halo in there. Um, but yeah, I'm still reading. Um, Akame got killed zero. Got a couple more volumes of that done. And Demon Slayer is in its second season. That's mm-hmm. currently airing on Funimation. Now, Mike, I know you watched, you powered through season it. one. Okay, yeah. so I remember you saying you had some issues, though, with it as well. I, yeah, I mean, I don't think any show is ever perfect. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, but that doesn't stop me from enjoying it. Um, and that's a little uh, foreshadowing for our main conversation here. Um, sure. But, no, I overall... Demon Slayer was super entertaining. And then I ended up watching the, um, the movie, movie? too mm-hmm. on the train. Yeah. Yep. The, the movie like made me cry. The movie was very sad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was, uh, and season two, I have to say I'm enjoying more than anything else I've seen from the show. It feels more balanced. Really? Um, some of the characters are coming to a little bit. Um, early on i have issue with um it's a trope to have this really loud obnoxious kid that is actually very powerful um but you can't stand them because they're so whiny or whatever um i think of uh black star in soul eater mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. oh my god shut your face you know kind mm-hmm. of thing even uh even a lead star like naruto very obnoxious um in this one, uh, I can't think of his name right now, but he wears the boar head, and he's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's he's just like always loud and yep. kind of obnoxious. And then the uh, his his foil, if allowed and obnoxious in a different way, the blonde kid, yeah. um, that he's wants to cry all the time and stuff. You know, right? And so <laughs> these characters can be very cool, and uh, they have their moments. And I think it's the being you know, when they show such an opposite from what they normally are that, you know, has greater impact. So, um, but I don't know. Characters are just balancing out more this season and I'm liking it. So. Very um, look forward to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, five episodes are out right now on Crunchyroll. Um, all right. That'd be, oh, I should say my drink, too. So mine thematically is going just with The Witcher. I'm going to call it Mahakam Ale, uh, Dwarven Ale. It's not, yes. it's not actually that, but we're going we're gonna to pretend it is in my <laughs> leather mug. So um, the actual beer is pretty cool, too. It's, a, it's called Valkyrie Golden Honey Ale, and Ooh. it's by Warrior Brewing Company. And then this really uh, awesome art on, on the can. Oh, there it goes. Oh, yeah. It's, Valkyrie woman here. So, yeah, that is sweet. Is that a helmet or is that like ears popping out? She's got like, yeah, like a headpiece kind of thing. Yeah. Yep. 
Um, okay, we'll get into the news a little bit. We already, you'd already mentioned in your week breakdown, Andrea, about uh, the sad passing of Betty White. I honestly thought she was older than that. Um, but right, I mean, I just feel like it's just a constant. She's a constant, you know? Right. Yeah. She's just like <laughs> been around for so long that, you know, even like somehow 99 seems young. You know, it's like she made it to 99. That's amazing. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. I haven't noticed her age in years. Yeah. You know, so definitely. Well, it seemed like she was in fairly good health, at least the last time I had seen her. She's never looked like she was waning. So this must have been out of nowhere. Right. Yeah, I just, uh, it's just too sad. I mean, she couldn't, she couldn't make it to a hundred and to, yeah. I know what were a lot of like kind of celebrations and different things planned, you know, around the media. Um, we'll see mm. if some of that still goes on, um, because she is such like a cultural icon. She's just like one of those stars that you're just like, she's there, she's accessible, she's hilarious and warm and, you know, witty and a little bit acerbic, but also sweet, like. Yeah, she's just, you know, you know, and it's just amazing. Like her career was so strong, so late in the game, too. Like she just was always working and always doing like fun projects. Yep. She transitioned and handled like every age of her life well. Mm -hmm. And it's one of the few uh, celebrities that for having been around so long, at least I don't know of anyone that hated her. Yeah. There was mm-hmm. no like Betty White controversy. No one tried right. to go for her. You know, they just like everybody's okay with Betty White. You know, everybody, yeah, everybody is either <laughs> just, okay or loves Betty White. Yeah. yeah. No one's like, uh, you know, it's that's uncommon as well. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, I would love to strive to be universally well liked. I don't have the personality for it. Uh, <laughs> there are going to be people that don't like me probably more often than not. But I do, I'm envious of the folks where, like, anybody that walks in your room is like, oh, this person's just the nicest person. I'm like, yeah, what do they do? Like, mm-hmm. I want to be that. Now, Betty White does it on a scale that's just... Oh, right. So extra, yeah. Yeah, I think she was just kind of one of those people who, who seemed like a star, but also seemed real and genuine. And there was just sort of this this feeling that you know, she could be your grandma, you know, even like not your grandma, like replace her, but you know, she was just like a member of the family kind of thing, yeah. you know, grandma, like my, my grandmas uh, are very out. different than Betty one. White. <laughs> All I'm saying is like, she wouldn't be my grandma. She wouldn't, you know, <laughs> my grandmas are far different than Betty White. Not that they're not sweet people in their own way, but there's uh there's differences there, but yeah, she just felt like there was just sort of like an in, like you could be, you know, part of her family maybe yep all right well and um cheerier news i guess and mm-hmm. th- very different news i have no um transition to them horizon zero dawn one of my favorite gaming mm-hmm. now soon to be franchises um with a new year uh, uh i mean xbox kind of dominated the news space for at the end tail end of 2021 with uh forza and um mm-hmm. and halo um in 2022 now playstation's trying to give in, been getting a stream of of things going they were at ces uh the consumer electronics show and they unveiled they kind of gave some specs and talked about their new virtual reality headset 
And we knew this mm-hmm. was coming, it's supposed to be coming this year, but they just laid out a little more of the details. And with it, they announced a new game in the Horizon universe um, called Verizon Call of the Mountain. And it's just a little snippet they showed, um, but it got me excited. And it was funny because just, I think the day before, I was talking to Ashley, it's like, what do we do? Because the PlayStation VR we have now is getting pretty old. Are we going to get the second one when it comes out? Or are we going to wait for the Apple headset whenever that drops? And so then this came out, I was like, ah, I don't know now, you know? So, um, Mike, are you a VR, a VR head? I, so, I, I dabble in a bunch of different things. I'm not an expert in any, and frankly, I use VR for sim racing. I just, there's nothing I've ever felt that is so immersive. Mm. Um, I've tried it on triple screens, which is another common way that uh, people go about building their sim rigs is to have three big monitors and they kind of wrap around you. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's just the depth is not there. So I went to VR for that. I'm using an Oculus Rift S and that is incredible. It it blows my mind. I mean, even now I've been doing it for a year and a half. I still will sometimes look down at the shifter in the car and try and grab it. Um, (laughs) And I love that. Uh, and then I've started using it for other things now, too. So I picked up a couple of boxing games. Um, we picked up the uh, there's a Darth Vader game. So it's a Star Wars game, but it's under the Darth Vader naming title. There's like three chapters to it. My son and I love that. It's basically glorified Beat Saber, um, but with lightsabers. So we love that. But frankly, I haven't tried out other virtual reality um, outside of the Rift S and outside of the Steam properties. Uh, mm-hmm. And that was actually going to be a question I was going to have for you is, you know, how does the PlayStation VR feel in comparison? Like, is there a significant difference or is it better? Yeah. Um, before I answer that, I'm just going to say hello to Mike in the chat. Thanks for jumping in. Other Mike. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's a different You're Mike. everywhere, um, Mike. My God. This is, yeah. this is why we need last names, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, the, the PlayStation VR is, uh, it came out pretty early. It saw pretty good adoption because PS4 sold so well. Um, it's, it is dated technology at this point. Like it needs replacement. So I'm sure your headset is better than this one. And there are definitely better headsets from Valve now. And yeah. then there's the wireless stuff like the Quest 2. Right. Um, so there, Alan threw in the release date. It was October, oh, yeah. 2016. Wow. So it's, it's old. And, um, so I'm hoping for a really big improvement here. I still don't know if we're going to see mass adoption outside of the completely standalone wireless space, like the quest two, because they'll be coming with the quest three. I think this year is supposed to be what's happening there. And that's been selling really well. It's often in the Amazon top selling charts. And yeah, you take a little hit to resolution, but you know, people really like that freedom. Yeah. I, I sometimes uh, wish I would have gone that direction because the other benefit to it, if you want that increased resolution from what I understand is you can still get a cord that will plug in then to your display port on the PC. If you want to play these high resolution games, like if I wanted to do, uh, a subtle Corsa or uh, iRacing at a really, you know, scale, I could do that. 
Um, but there's definitely something to be said, you know, if they can get it to where it's got enough memory that it can hold enough games for you to be able to just pack that up and take that as your yeah. mobile, mobile gaming platform, it's pretty cool. Yep. That's why I'm like tempted to wait for whatever Apple's thing is because sure. they just have the most efficient mobile chips right now. And I have no doubt they'll be able to put something really spectacular in a headset. And it'll be very expensive and all stuff, but PlayStation's thing is going to be, well, we have PlayStation games. That's why they need these reveals like the Horizon VR. They need to have those exclusive things because otherwise, yeah, who's going to like, who's going to put up with a cord yet unless they really can. I was hoping they were going to have a wireless attachment. Like you could make sure. it wireless. Some headsets have that. You plug it in, plug in the wireless thing to your system, and then it's. But I, I don't. I'm guessing they're not getting the fidelity or the the bandwidth that they're looking for that way. The consistency, because you know VR. If you have a hiccup, just for a moment, yep. it can make you really sick. Yep. You know, all of a sudden something skips and doesn't react the way it's supposed to, and you, oh, that's yep. bad. So. And you don't yeah. want that while you're standing up. Absolutely. Right. Um. Yeah. I wonder if it's I wonder if it's a refresh rate issue or or, or what it could be once because I mean you're kind of talking about glorified Bluetooth right at that yep. point so yep yep um well speaking of someone that looks sick Morbius uh, Jared Leto in the movie Morbius um <laughs> that's uh what's this story here Andrea yeah so. This caught me totally by surprise because I feel like there's been no promotion for it. But apparently um, the movie was supposed to come out on January 28th, which is in like three weeks. Um, and they delayed it. Um, they've delayed the release date now to April 1st. Um, rumors have been swirling because Spider-Man No Way Home has been doing so well that they just want to like ride that train for a little while longer. Um I, I have kind of a hard time believing that fully. It could be like a factor, but I'm sure that there were more that went into this decision because like I said, I've heard almost nothing about this release and it feels like a decent enough release where we would have gotten something. You know what I mean? Like Jared Leto's no like, you know, D-class movie star, second class Hollywood citizen that like, his projects should be like all the way down at the bottom um, and getting no promotion. So yeah, I was just kind of a little bit surprised and a little bit bummed that I really hadn't heard more about this other than like, I don't know if this is kind of like a first foray of getting it into the media by circulating this story. What do you think would be the other reasons for them delaying it? Um, Honestly, if it's, you know, if it's one of those things where, it wasn't ready in the first place and they just sort of like fell behind on a media campaign, sure. then it's just like, it's kind of a weirdly great way to get the name out there, but then also be like, Spider-Man is so good that like, you know, we just can't release this other movie and distract from it right now. You should probably go see that. It's kind of like a weird win-win media campaign <laughs> of like, we want you to see this. It's so good. Um, but we don't want to take you away from this other amazing property. So like, we're just going to like delay this a little bit. That's, I, can, that's a good point. I can totally buy them uh, pushing it off for Spider-Man, I guess. Just, be, I mean, 
like you say, Leto is not some D tier something or another, be the bottom of thing. But his movies generally don't do very well. Like it's a, like a Leto curse almost. I mean, he like, kind of came out. Like you don't think out, Dallas Buyers Club did any well? But since then. <laughs> okay. Since, but that's what I'm saying. He had to, like he had his moment where he like came into movies and then everything has been big budget things and has not done well. Except I think um, uh, Suicide Squad. But that was critically lambasted. So like yeah, even though that did pretty, pretty well. Critics. Yeah, that, sure. Right. So, I mean... Blade Runner 2049, huge budget, did not mm -hmm. live up to expectations. Um, the one he was just in with uh, Denzel Washington. Oh, yeah. Uh, kind of came and went, you know, like he's trying so hard to be in these movies where he's very unique. He's very Jared Leto. He transforms himself or something. The little things. I, Is that what you're I talking feel like about? it doesn't like. Yeah. Yep. Little things. Um, the one the one I would say. Sorry, what did you say, Mike? I was going to say the House of Gucci was supposed to be fairly good. I was just I was just going to point that out, except oh, for the I, fact that like, yeah, except for the fact that I feel like people don't remember that Jared Leto's in it because he does like the whole like body transformation again, except for like this time instead of getting skinny, he does the fat suit, um, which actually I works didn't remember out really that. Well. Yeah, I did not remember that he was in that. Hmm. Yep. So I haven't I haven't seen it yet. I, I I wanted to see. I've heard so many mixed things about it. I've heard some people say it's really something as in bad and then other people really enjoy it so i don't know <laughs> let's say i'm intrigued by it so i would like to watch it sometime for sure yeah i don't i don't feel like it's one of those you need to like rush out you know and and see it immediately but it's kind of it's it's a good film it's solid okay. there are some fun performances i think lady gaga does really well Definitely am on the side of people who have issues with her accent, although I don't find myself like needing to nitpick it. Like it's okay. distracting and it's a little wacky, but I think um, it's very much modeled after, you know, the real life person. I it's totally blanking um, on her name right now. But yeah, I've, I've seen some interviews with her um, in comparison with like Lady Gaga's take on it, and it's pretty accurate. Um, back to Morbius for a second. Mike, have you um seen this at all? Trailer or anything like that, or familiar with the character oh, yeah. or anything like that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I've I've seen the trailers. I've watched it. I've wondered how many uh, vampiric antiheroes we can have. Um, but I'm here <laughs> for it. I dig it. Um, you know, wondering if the DC is going to come out with Man Bat then as well. Yeah, you know, right. Follow this up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I it would be more like that uh, um, they were in pre-production for Man Bat and Marvel found out about it and like, nope, yeah. we're making one first. <laughs> yep. <laughs> we got it. Uh, the makeup but... looks really cool to me, actually. Yeah. I like mm -hmm. that he's they've gone the vampire bat, you know, face humanoid version of it. Um, mm -hmm. Leto looks freaking ripped. Um, and that's, you know, at least... He's he's putting that work in. He's got the superhero body going. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I'm interested. Okay. Yeah, I think yeah. that's one thing you can say for Jared Leto is like, you know, his his acting can sometimes be all over the map, but in terms of like committing his body to a part, he always does. He always brings yeah. it. He's competing with Christian Bale. Yeah, for I'm real. Thinking. I don't know if yeah. you can top that. 
right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. He's he's done certainly more extremes than Leto has, but I mean Leto's definitely when you look at like Dallas Buyers Club to uh to House of Gucci, like there's you know, he's throwing mm. it in there. Yep. Um I just have an issue, I guess, with or with how many like we have a lot of characters to draw from in comic books. Do we have to take the villains and make them good guys? I'm really tired of it. I'm tired with like Harley Quinn and Venom and now if it's this and we get there's there's a difference between making a character believable a little more gray making giving you understanding to why they are what they are and why they do what they do mm-hmm. versus like let's make a children's DC show with all the villains and now they're friends in high school and what what no I'm just yeah. I'm just kind of opposed to that we need to have our villains that yep. they can be villains and they don't need to be the center of this thing where they're now kind of a good guy. So, I mean, yeah, I see where you're coming from with it a lot, but I think part of the reason they're doing it is, is there may be at this point, a little bit of superhero fatigue, the number of Spider-Mans that we've had, even the number of Thors that we've had at this point. And you can tell a superhero story with a character that not a lot of people know, but are still interested in. I mean, Iron Man was not a very popular superhero before they made the Iron Man movies. Definitely not on the scale of some of the others, right? He wasn't probably even in top 10 from what I understand. Um, but then now when you're doing it with a villain, you have you have that inner conflict already. So that part of the story is kind of pre-written for you. And it's something that people haven't quite seen yet. I mean, the formula is the same. But you definitely haven't seen a Morbius movie, mm-hmm. you know. You can get away with more. Yeah. Because because people are going into it knowing that you're not telling a superhero story. So you can have them do some, like, really off-the-wall, dark stuff. And it's like, well, this person was a villain anyway. So, you know, I hope I hope they overcome this, like, dark moment that they're having. But, like, you know, it's not like, oh, my God, Thor shot someone, like. You know, the movie ends right there. Nobody watches the rest of that Thor movie. Or you fall back and, well, he was mind controlled. Like, right. right. <laughs> right. Some sort of trope escape. Yeah. Well, I mean, but can't, isn't that what stuff like The Boys and um, Doom Patrol and uh, Umbrella Academy, all these things are for? lesser known comic books, off the wall characters, something that's not, if you're getting that superhero fatigue, you don't need to take a villain, an unknown or lesser known villain, or potentially a very well-known villain like Venom mm-hmm. and make them a nice guy that's full of comedic relief. When you could take someone that, to your point, like any of these characters that are very underutilized or not very well-known, Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, Take your pick. Yeah. Um, yeah do a movie on the Morlocks from X-Men. They're a bunch of weirdos or whatever, you know, and uh, <laughs> do some strange stuff. Yeah, I feel like it's all in the way that, like, it's first presented. Like, like you're right. Guardians of the Galaxy could have been, you know, something, like, darker or, um, you know, superhero without, like, you know, being, like, very traditional, like, happy family, you know, good family fun. Um but if their plan was for Marvel to, like, introduce them to work alongside, like, Thor and Iron Man and Spider-Man yeah. and stuff like that, they had to take that slant early 
so unfortunately i think they pigeonholed themselves so now it's like yeah crap we did like all these like good you know family fun kind of things how do we how do we get out of that but also like but also utilize the formula that made us successful yep it is is i don't i'm not saying i i disagree with you because i think there is that fatigue out there especially with like disney's cruella i know got hit with a lot of like oh my god like why couldn't she just be like the evil person who wanted to make a puppy coat? Like <laughs> we didn't need a whole back movie about, you know, like her bohemian upbringing and like her fashion aspiring dreams kind of thing. Um, and I think there was some early rumblings of that on Joker, um, even though I think people sort of like were wild enough by the movie to sort of get over that. I think there is that feeling out there for sure. Um, that reminds me of Boba Fett show. We're watching <laughs> that too, and uh, yeah, for talking about characters, so now explaining backstories and some of that. So maybe we'll talk about that someday. Maybe it's just as simple as somebody found a formula that works, and so now everybody's going to repeat it until they can't anymore. Like the buddy cop genre, right? Yeah. yeah. Didn't need nearly that many. We just realized that it sold a lot. So. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. NCIS Star Wars. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> um Go to anybody right. to take it. I'm gonna make millions. I know. You better <laughs> trademarking it right now. Up, uh, Jerry Bruckheimer right now, whoever <laughs> does all that stuff, yeah. Jerry Bruckheimer and Kathleen Kenny, I'll get him on the phone for you tonight, okay? Let's, Thanks. Uh, Appreciate it. Yeah. Um all right, Witcher. We're gonna talk about mm. the Netflix show Witcher. So We'll be covering season one in uh, just because we'll be comparing, contrasting, and that kind of thing. So hopefully you haven't seen Witcher season two and not season one. Uh, and then the first half of Witcher season two and kind of whatever context we can provide for potentially things from books or from games or whatever, we'll, we'll do that as well um, where it can happen. So spoiler warning for Witcher stuff through season two on Netflix or through half first half of season two. It's going to be so hard to not talk about the second half. I'm just going to so put that hard. out there. It's, I'm gonna, it's like I'm it's, driving 100 miles an hour and you're like, hit the brakes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm so sorry. If like, if something good. spills out, like, don't worry about it. I just don't, I don't, I don't like, I need some surprises. I can have things spoiled for me, but like, I, I definitely need like one or two that I'm still going to be like, what? Okay, so. why don't we start then with Andrea? You tell us what, what was the last thing that happened. So you remind yeah. us where we stopped in the storyline. Um, yeah, kinda, absolutely. Go backwards. So I mean, for overall, um, the last thing that really happens, um, the last, I guess, the last big kind of things that happen for me are um, Princess Cirilla, Siri. Um, is with Geralt at Kermorin, and they've just discovered that her blood is special. She's got elder blood um, because there's like some signs in the woods that you know where her blood dro- has dropped. Like those special flowers have grown, and uh, Geralt's mentor Vesemir and his buddy Triss, um, the mage. Um, have just discovered that like her blood is elder blood and can be a component 
in whatever concoction makes more witchers. So Vesemir's like really excited about this. Um, and then the other big uh, kind of ending plot line that is, you know, kind of our mid-season finale, maybe we'll call it, um, is that Yennefer, and I think his name is Cahir, um, the the Knight of Nilfgaard, um, are mm. just escaping to try and get to Sintra, and they're on boat that's headed for Sintra. Um, but Yennefer notices um, that they're, they're sort of, you know, underground railroad kind of, you know, conductor, uh, the bard, Jaskier, um, has just gotten his loot smashed and maybe something has happened to him. So she's sort of like faced with the decision of, am I staying on the boat and saving myself or am I going out to like figure out what happened to him and maybe like sacrificing my chance to escape and do something good for me? Okay. So. All right. I think uh, is that kind of a refresher there, Mike, where about where she's left yeah. off. Okay, that's great. <laughs> so, um, why don't we talk a little bit then, uh, Mike? What is your background with Witcher, and what were your thoughts on season one? So, I guess you would call me um, a Witcher virgin right up until season one. Um, this is another one of those things where, again, my wife reads at ridiculous paces, and so she knocked that series out um, mm. just just ahead of the first season coming out. And then my brother-in-law has played all of the video games religiously as well. I tried um, Witcher 3 briefly, but not enough to get into the story and really have a passion for it from that perspective. So what I ended up doing is I watched season one. I fell in love with the series. I've read a bunch on the background now and kind of mm. filled myself in to the lore of it. Um, and then obviously talked with Rachel about it pretty significantly about what's happened in the books. So for the most part, re in reality, I don't have a big tie to mm. the world of The Witcher. Um, but I loved the first season. I loved Henry Cavill's portrayal. Um, really like just the character of Geralt that he put out there. So. Mm -hmm. Okay. Nice. And now I know a lot about the world. Right. The yeah. <laughs> large picture of it. Right. Cause I have done a bunch of background research into it. Now mm -hmm. I kind of feel vested. Right. Story. Yeah. Yep. So Andrea, how about you? What was, what was your, cause you, you and Chris, like you said recently, just binged. It's freshest in your mind. Season one. Yes. Uh, you just binged through it. So how would you come away with that? Yeah, I also loved season one. Um, I thought that the storytelling was excellent. Um, you know, I, I came into it totally fresh, hadn't even looked anything up. I mean, like you and Alan had sort of like talked to me a little bit about like the Witcher games, but there was not, not enough context for me to like really understand. Sex on you unicorns. Know. That's the reoccurring. Yeah. <laughs> you yep. guys told me just like the wildest stuff that I was like, okay. So you really like didn't sort of like set me up to be like, I understand the lore of the Witcher, you know, like and and everything that's going on in this world. So I came at it, I think, pretty fresh, um, which is not something I'm used to doing, but was kind of fun to, you know, be that that you know, new audience and have things just like revealed to me, had to put the pieces together for myself, 
Um, you know, I haven't really done that in a long time because usually I'm reading the books or I've read some, you know, background information. I've played a game or whatever. Um, so I thought season one did really well for introducing people to the world of The Witcher, giving us the reveals, giving us the, you know, here's the present, here's the past, here's some, you know, storylines to come and weaving them all together. Um, in a really interesting and compelling fashion. There were maybe, you know, I had small quibbles about, um, sometimes I think they return to scenes a little bit too often. And I was sort of watching the same thing happen maybe like once too many times, um, you know, in the, in the fall of Sintra is kind of what I'm thinking of. And like all of the, the things that were happening there, I, I feel like I was returning to the same moments, like maybe one too many times. Um, but I think those are very small quibbles with the first season. Okay. Yeah. I, um, my background coming into it was I've played through Witcher two and Witcher three, and then quite a lot of Gwent. Um, yes. so mm -hmm. I was pretty cemented in really like, there's a lot of fantasy universes and this is probably the one I connect with the most. Mm -hmm. Um, because I love the I love the the political element of it. I mm -hmm. how the the always it's it's still very confusing to me. I don't have a grasp <laughs> on it, but I always love it. This uh, the way that the different kingdoms are working against each other and um, the power players seeing seeing them conduct yeah. their schemes. So I love that a lot. I think I think in general I was pretty happy with season one. I think that um, they did a lot really well uh, um i watched it right when it came out so it's not particularly fresh in my mind mm -hmm. but i remember having a couple complaints uh one in particular was tris you couldn't mm. tris you couldn't pick her out of a lineup uh you'd like who which in this lineup who is tris i wouldn't pick her i i don't know you know um now i understand that the show is based on the books and not the games mm. but they're clearly taking things from the games because they're so well Absolutely. liked um, that they're, you know, Geralt looks like from the game. That's clearly yeah. what they modeled off. So, so I think it's fair to, uh, to compare in that, in that way. And, um, and then also a lot of people, people complained about the Nilfgaardian armor. It was kind of just wrinkly black stuff or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I will I say. It was made out of bark at first. Oh, okay. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, it was very um, strange. So I will say, I think that uh, the, I think the showrunners were listening to feedback because they had some corrections in season two. Mm -hmm. So, um, but overall, yeah, I thought season one was was pretty great, pretty well paced. It really made me care for Yennefer when I mm -hmm. hadn't previously. Um, mm -hmm. Gave her a lot of context, uh, filled in a lot of blanks for me. And though I was pretty unsure of the actress to begin with, um, she sold me eventually. Um, mm -hmm. She had the performance. So, Yennefer is actually my biggest disappointment with season two. To be oh okay, I thought honest. I thought you were gonna say in season one, and I was like, no, I I was on like the love, whole journey with her in season yeah, one. Me too, and she seemed complex. And you thought that this was you know this was a person who was obsessed with power but it wasn't actually power that she was obsessed with that's just what she thought she was obsessed with but she was really obsessed with having her own autonomy 
right? Mm-hmm. That is that is the real power to her. And you see that go through as she believes that having all of this power is going to solve her problems because she was so and so mistreated and so discarded, right? That she thought, well, I need power to be respected. And then mm-hmm. once she got the power and that doesn't solve anything, it's, it's the autonomy. It's her free will, her choice over her life that she really wants. That is so well fleshed out in mm-hmm. season one. And I just, I don't think I'm spoiling anything with season two, but I feel like they just went, nah, she just wants power again. No, like that's not it at all. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, I've only seen through the first half of the season, but I agree that her character development, I think, took several steps backwards. Um, Because again, this season, it feels like she's focused on what she can't have. You know, in the first season, first, the first half of the season, it was power. She was going to, you know, go be a mage and she was going to be respected and she was going to be so powerful. Um, Then she was going to be beautiful And then she was going to get this position at court and be important, you know, and influence politics and shape the world. And then it was, oh, I need a baby. You know, I need choices over my own body because that was taken away from me. So I'm like desperate to heal. Now, again, in season two, she's lost her power and is desperate now to go like heal that part of herself and like find herself there. And I just I feel like. I've already seen this storyline for her where she desperately wants something that feels impossible and isn't going to really help her, but she's so blinded about this, like, this is what I need that she's just not expanding into any other arenas as a character. And it's really frustrating. It's very well said. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah. Other, other things in season one, I guess, um, I thought they came up with pretty good effects. The the song mm-hmm. by Dandelion that they created for him Dandelion. was was very good. It's very addictive, very addicting. Um, yes, you know, House of Coin, Your Witcher is a classic now. Yes. Um, anytime we're going to a Renaissance fair, that one definitely is going to be on just you know somewhere in there. So. Yep. And I do have to say, as long as we're kind of on looks for a character, I I did check out some some various you know images of him like in the game. Um, I'm glad they like toned it down. He's still like flamboyant and fun and like, you know, especially in season two, we're seeing a little bit more play on color and, and flash in his dress. But I think this is a, a moment where like, it's good that they just like, like took it down like one notch and yeah, made him a little more real. I don't think anyone really complained about Dandelion. I think that, uh, he, uh, I think they did a good job with, I think with they did we, too. Yeah. I wonder, um, oh, yeah, go, oh, ahead. go ahead. Well, I was just going to say on that on that side of like character casting, right? Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, hugely important aspect of any show. Iron Man is Downey Jr. Yeah, Thor, et cetera, et cetera. And frankly, that was Geralt. Um, mm-hmm. But as somebody who wasn't familiar, didn't have a visual representation from the games, and didn't have the description from the books. I will say it is nice to have that freedom to not be held back by mm-hmm. the way that the character looks like I can just fall into their portrayal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is definitely, I mean, as a showrunner, that would be hard to do, like hard to balance, you know, do I mm-hmm. cast 
based off of the way they look yeah, or based off of the performance that I think they can provide. Um, and you're going to alienate at least one group if you don't do it right. Yep. I mean, that's the, that's the burden that a showrunner takes on when you're going to adapt, adapt content. When you're taking something that has a built-in fan base, that is your responsibility. That's like what you're stuck with. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be a tough call. And we, it's something I've been fighting with now a lot because a lot of these adaptations, it's like, man, do I want to read Wheel of Time? Or do I just want to be okay with what I have in the show? Do I want to read Dune or do I just want to be okay with what's in the movie? Do I want, you know, it's like choose your medium mm -hmm. that you want to consume whatever property in and then just let it be. It's like the Cowie Bebop Netflix thing. My Cowie Bebop <laughs> is the animated one and anyone that likes that is not going to like the, the live action one. There's just, there's, well, there's just no way. There's no way, you're, but, you're if you right. but if you haven't seen the original and, or you saw it and you didn't like it, maybe you like the live action one. So like, mm -hmm. I don't know to me, those, it. yes, which so. <laughs> I should have put that in a news thing as an aside quickly, the show's doing pretty well. Shockingly, Cowie Bebop on Netflix. It's charting. Really? Like people are watching it as far as I'm Shocked. aware. So I don't know who you are out there, but quit it. All right. Stop <laughs> watching that garbage. Um, or, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'd be willing to like, have you leave a comment and be like, what is it? Like, even as, even as someone who is like willing to give it a shot. Um, I definitely was like shocked at the, uh, the amount. John's out. Lost him. I'm John, sorry. we lost you. Like That's so mad. You just so you were so passionate about Cowboy Bebop that you were like, I can't, I can't pause <laughs> button. <laughs> no, Andrew, I, don't even invite this commentary. Like, no. shut it down. I'm serious though. I would, I would love to know who, who is the audience for this Cowboy yeah. Bebop? Is it people who haven't seen the anime? Is it shockingly somehow people who have, and are finding something redemptive about it? You know what I mean? I'm I'm literally curious. You don't have to see any of the comments, John. I can take it all on, but I'm Yeah, you can you you can find them. <laughs> I'll dox them. We'll like <laughs> these people. I <laughs> no, I'm luring you it out just, in the open so John can dox you. Um, it, it's definitely a thing. It's definitely <laughs> a thing where it's like, what do you you know, it's gonna change your enjoyment. That's why it's nice to have people on the show or to talk about people that have, have different backgrounds with the content because mm -hmm. it, it definitely affects how you see it. Um, yeah. so bringing, I mean, bringing it back to Witcher, I did not look up anybody from the games until I was solidly into season two and was just sort of curious about, sure. I saw a couple of your pictures, you know, when yes. you were recapping, um, and was just curious to then go look at like, direct comparisons between the actors and, you know, their game counterparts. And for the most part, I was pretty pleased at what I saw. Sure. You know, I think there was some earnest attempts to, to keep to images. I mean, um, Vesemir in particular just looks like you just, you know, depixelated him and made him a real person. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's astonishing to me, like how much this actor looks like, you know, 
Vesemir of the games. So, yeah. I mean, looking yeah. at the images of Triss, too, and it, it, I mean, her facial structure seems pretty similar. The shape of her nose and the shape of her mouth. Uh, mm-hmm. We're looking at the two pictures together. I mean, if they change the color of her, hair, of her hair and don't have it be curly, then you're a lot closer, which they kind of yeah. did a little bit with second season. So, Yes. Yeah. So let's get into season two yeah. with that. Well, because I wrote that in my comments somewhere. Um, mm-hmm. What episode was that that we really kind of um, four got three and four is when she comes to Tara Morin. Okay. Okay. Um, for yes. So my comment was Tris look. Uh, let's see. Tris's look and hair is a lot better. Was mm-hmm. that so effing hard? Because I don't know, like the actress, right? As soon as they made her hair a little more red, they did a style that was a little more similar. They put yeah. her in some clothes that I could see Tris wearing. And I'm like, why didn't you do that from the beginning? Instead, you had to use an excuse of like she, it's like she reinvented herself. It's yeah. like she got injured and now I'm going to like have a makeover. And, yeah. uh, you know, it just was weird. It, again, it's response to fan criticism, I'm sure. So that's good that they're listening in that way or whatever. It just, it was a very, Triss is a fan favorite. It's Yen mm-hmm. versus Triss, all right? So um, you don't get to mess up Triss. And I think that they uh, they pulled her back. We're getting to see her a little more in this show, mm-hmm. do a little more in this season and all that stuff. So I think that's been... A, a market improvement. Yeah. So. As someone, as someone who hadn't, you know, known of her origins and known if she was going to be like a big character or not, when she's first introduced in season one, there's just, you know, there's no context. So it's like, she looks how she looks. Yeah. Yep. She's, she, you know, you think she's going to be just one of these like one-off, like this is, you know, one of the side stories that's happening. And, you know, it's just within the contained episode and then having her come back, like, right at the the season finale and then into season two it was like oh so this is like a recurring character she's changed you know like this is what she should have been so from that standpoint it was a little odd um you know for for you i'm sure it was like this is so much more satisfying and for me it was mm-hmm. like cool i guess she's gonna have a different look now <laughs> she was on uh yeah yeah like what's she's on like the Hoda copy show or something. And she won the prize to get the makeover. So <laughs> she got like, the makeover. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, um, I, it, it's one of those things where I guess I'm trying to be reasonable about it, but when you see in season one, when you see her, I just have no idea who this character is until they say their name. And so it's mm-hmm. like, Oh, that's Tris. Okay. I shouldn't have to do that. I should Mm -hmm. be like, oh, that looks like this person. That's probably this person. And then it's close enough that I, you know, but. Well, yeah, I mean, I think, I think there's something to be said, you know, when, when you do have recasting sometimes, like people have a totally different vision or, you know, they say like, you know, this, you're just like won me over. It's like the personality and not so much the look. Sure. But, but with Tris, it's just so simple. You know, like you could have just given her red hair and a different dress and it would have been like, there's Triss, you know, like it's just, it's just something so easily fixable that it just feels like you should have just done this from the beginning. Yep. Yep. Um, so I, um, I 
having watched season one quite a while ago and the fantasy series I watched recently being Wheel of Time, when I first started this, my initial comparisons were to Wheel of Time. And I just like immediately I'm like, yes, this is someone behind the camera. This that like has an eye for it or something. You know, Mm -hmm. I, I felt the budget. The monsters felt real. I even wrote mm-hmm. somewhere in there, like, do you see that magic? How it felt like it had impact. It had weight when he's being pinned against the wall in the first mm-hmm. one or whatever by that scream. Like, you feel those things. And mm-hmm. um, those were a lot of complaints I had with Wheel of Time. And I, I saw mm-hmm. immediately season two of Witcher felt very refreshing to me um, in the, like, adult content element of it and the elevated production value. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you yeah. felt that way or like if it's how did the how did the show end up looking for you compared to season one? Even did you notice a difference in Witcher season one versus two? Was there an improvement there? You know, I think. Yeah, the... Go ahead. No, I was going to say, Mike, do you want to go ahead? Oh. I feel like I've been yeah. chatting quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like it did a good job of maintaining the visceral combat, maybe even turning it up a little bit of a notch. Um, but like the, the Leshy, right. Seemed more grounded, um, than, and, and they didn't have to rely so much on darkness in this mm. second season as they did in the first. And a lot of times I feel like when you're doing CG, one of those quick tricks, it seems like kind of save money is to put it in a lot of cover of darkness. The, the zombie scene, heck, the opening scene, um, from season one where we see him fighting that spider monster type thing in the water. It's really, really dark. And so you can kind of hide detail that way. Uh, they didn't have to do that with this. I mean, their, their Leshy was up front and center. Um, when I'm trying to calculate episodes. Yep. When Eskel, um, becomes Leshy, right. That is front and center in a well-lit room. Uh, and then there are, things that happen later in the season that we won't talk about that highlights how good their their graphics have gotten and how much they feel weighted like you said mm-hmm. yeah you know when he hits the wall that that could be a little camera shake or whatnot but there are when, when they're seeing the creatures they feel like they're grounded in the reality um mm-hmm. and when he's cutting through the branches like it yes. actually feels like he's doing it so yep. yeah I, I do agree i like the um the fireball. Uh, I don't remember the the magic Igni. word. Igni. 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 Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. When he does that, that's fantastic. So. Yep. Yeah. Build, building off of that, um, from what I've seen so far, like you said, I loved the Leshy. Um, you know, just the creation of that really real grounded creature, but then also the creature that ended up destroying the Leshy, not Eskel, but the Leshy itself. Um, that like centipede looking formed yeah. something <laughs> that they're yeah. like, I don't even know. Um, that was awesome. Was. You know, it really felt like they took the time to like build a full, complete, you know, creature that had weight that moved in like a real sense. Like, you know, when it's chasing Siri and it's like climbing around like a centipede would, it just felt like somebody super dedicated to their craft, sat around and watched a centipede and how it moved, how like the weight of its legs would go and then made it giant and put it on the screen. Um, So I, I loved like both the creature effects, like those kinds of things, 
but then also like the magical effects. Um, some of my favorite things were early on in the season, um, like the mind magic that Tissaia was doing where she just like delves into somebody's mm. head and then gets to like watch through. Some of that was just like so visceral. It just felt like I was like, I was also in that body watching these like scenes play out and moving my own limbs, you know, in this battle of Sodden that was, you know, being replayed. Um, so stuff like that was just like both ends of the spectrum. Somebody was, you know, giving it a hundred percent at work. Yeah. Yep. Um, I also like in the first episode, how we, um, so like you say, they don't shy away from the monsters, but we also use it to, uh, like showcase a lesson, you know, uh, we're, mm -hmm. we're learning about, about monsters. We get some, some depth there. They're not all just like purely evil. Yep. Siri obviously has empathy and we learn like how that works out. It's like, well, yes, that's true. And it's kind of sad, but she also slaughtered a village full of people. Um, <laughs> you know, so it's, it's, you know, and getting to know the, uh, um, the guy that's taking them in, but then finds out, well, he was a rapist. So it's like, yeah. it is a real gray, um, delicate adult situation um, that I think is good added experience for, for Siri. And then they, you know, made it emotional right away. So mm -hmm. we use, we use monsters to progress the story, to develop character and to make something emotional. So I thought it that also, was a well done episode. It calls back to season one when Geralt was talking to, uh, um, Stegobor. Is that mm -hmm. how I pronounce the name? Um, you know, when he's talking about lesser evil, greater evil, they're variations of evil but if i have to choose i'm just not going to choose at all right mm -hmm. he sees things he says he sees things in more of a black and white nature when it comes to the the monster hunting thing and so then you've got series sitting there questioning the way that he sees things right so you're seeing a little bit of Geralt development as well or understanding because mm -hmm. kind of does take a back seat to siri and to yennefer respectively in the seasons mm -hmm. um or flip that around yeah, but yeah yeah but he, he you know he says he sees things that way and that they are lesser evil or greater evil is still evil and then here siri is questioning that and then boom yep i'm a rapist he's like mm -hmm. see you know yep yeah is being a rapist a greater evil or a lesser evil does it really matter no because at the end of the day <laughs> still bad. right right but yeah there there is that question of like how much gray area you know are you willing to forgive until you get to that point where you're like okay i'm out like i gave you so many chances like siri does you know she gives him so many chances and Geralt kind of gives him some chances um and they're maybe willing to be like i know you were so in love like ugh, you like willingly overlooked these slaughters but it's but you know it's complicated when it comes to matters of the heart and then suddenly it was like yep i'm a rapist too okay like <laughs> There's only so many times that we can, you know, give you that gray area until it becomes, you know, we have yeah. to do something. Yeah. And it's fun because a lot of times the characters that say, you know, I'm really not a good person, you know, they, they want to draw people in that way. Oh, you know, they're kind of self-hating or whatever, um, mm -hmm. but they actually are going to be the turn around and be heroic or something like that. And it's like, no, it's not that. You know, I really am. You should really shouldn't like me. And, and, but then it's, it's the complexity of, well, 
he does feel remorse. Mm-hmm. You know, there is remorse there. So again, yeah. it's not a pure evil, good and bad thing. So I just thought well, it was good. It's fun because I, you know, I think Geralt gives off those vibes too of like, you know, I'm so, I'm like such a hard person and I don't have like, you know, soft, fuzzy feelings and like, don't like me and, you know. But then, that, yep. but then that draws people in, like you know. Yeah. In our first season, that role is really filled by Jaskier Dandelion, um, you know, kind of like inserting himself, and he's sort of like a little brother type, you know, or or some variation on that kind of relationship with Geralt. And then this season, it's Siri, who is kind of you know like worming her way in and and kind of thawing the ice, so to speak, um, you know. And, and even though he's putting off those, you know, like. I, you know, I want to protect you, but don't get too close. She's still like, nah, it's all right. I'm still drawn in anyway. Mm-hmm. That's that's human nature, too. I mean, the more someone plays aloof, right, the more you want it, like, you want to be a part of that world then. Because, you know, mm-hmm. it, if you don't want to accept me, I want to know what that is. And I want to change right. it or I want to break through. There's just something natural right. about us wanting to do that. Right. I want to be in the inner circle. Like, you know, you know, if you're making it so hard, it must be worth it to like right. really, you know, fight my way in and, and be part of this like cherished inner circle that you would have. Um, episode two. Mm-hmm. Um, so this one, we start, uh, if I'm remembering it right, we start getting into uh, the kind of three ladies sort of come together. They're these three sorceresses. Um, we're getting yes. now uh, Yennefer and Frangilla being captives um, and kind of coming to, in um, Francesca's view, maybe part of a greater, um, like, uh, I don't know, role in history or something faithful. Design, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, some sort of intelligent design about to happen here. Um, that they all come together, and this is where we kind of everybody gets into trouble because mm-hmm. they all want something different. And um, I'll have to say to start, Fringilla. Um, generally, I like her performance. She's definitely one of the ones that also looks very different than from the game. But mm-hmm. I give it more passes because she is. I don't think Fringilla is anyone's fan favorite. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have to say, but. Um, but otherwise, I think she's an interesting character. And um, what do you guys think about this going into this kind of crazy vision they had? Right? Was that in this episode? Yeah, um, yeah. We meet the elves, and, and mm-hmm. um, they, you know, they're they're keeping our our two mages captive um, for for some you know reason. They're they're supposed to be maybe useful, and then they kind of maybe end up actually being useful. Um, with these, with this whole like dreams that they're all having of these hooded figures. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I do have to say, I think this is very interesting um, in this episode, particularly that these three women are having um, visions of a hooded figure that kind of represents what they call the deathless mother, which is also a three figured woman. Um and I think this is appearing a lot in TV shows right now, this sort of like um, mother maiden crone, like um, three women, three, three-sided woman um, model after like Hecate, goddess of the moon, 
um, right. who is like the three-figured goddess. I feel like it's just sort of like everywhere right now, and I'm really kind of into it. Okay. I just I watched several shows recently. I watched The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, which was all about Hecate. Um, a Discovery of Witches also had this mythology in it and pretty front and center. And now like to have this, this kind of same figure who is appearing to each of the women um, as different like kind of evolutions of a woman. I just sort of felt like this is like some really cool through line mythology right now that I'm just digging. Didn't they do a sequel to Hocus Pocus? They did. I don't or know that are? like it actually got witches. There, I don't. I don't think it actually got released. I think it's supposed to be this year that okay, that okay, the right. sequel well, is being released. Three more witches. But, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, like this sort of thing is yeah. like everywhere right now, and I'm just like digging that it's in Witcher. Also, cool, nice. Um, yeah, Mike, what do you think of these characters? What do you, what do you think of Francesca and the the elves and the the plight of the elves and all that? It's all going for him. I'll be honest. I, at this point, I don't know why I care. Um, okay. <laughs> because we haven't gotten enough of them yet up to this point. Like in season one, they were kind of this, they were still more of a story and a, a myth almost. You know, we had like one interaction with the former King of the Elves. Um, and it's, I, I think that they're getting to why it's going to be very important uh, without going too much into later parts of the season um <laughs> they're definitely a vastly important part of the story but um they're this sect i guess of elves that were being shown are not the ones that are vastly important to the history of the witcher mm. they are portion they're, they're part of it they're d descendants of it and so mm -hmm. to me um i just i, I just I don't know. Yeah. I'm okay. not buying into the yeah. characters yet. I, there's not a lot of weight on them for me. Mm -hmm. I'm more interested and invested in some of the others. Okay. Yeah. It's an, it's an abrupt intro for sure. Um, you know, like you said, in season one, there's mentions of the elves and there's mentions of like the prejudice that people have against the elves. And obviously we see that immediately in, in season two with like Stregobor being like, Elves are untrustworthy. They're aligning themselves with, you know, you know, it's a, this whole like huge deal. Um, it's like through line, obviously, in what I've seen of the the second season so far, this like prejudice. But yeah, they just this this particular group appears out of nowhere and suddenly are very integral to the storyline. And it's like, but I don't know you. <laughs> yeah, and it it's kind of a bummer because I mean they spend a lot of time showing how Nilfgaardians are treating elves so poorly. And like, I get that. And, and maybe you're trying to get me on the sympathy train, which I can definitely get to. Mm -hmm. um, but tell me more about outside of just seeing the atrocities of cutting their ears off and things like that. Like outside of just seeing that, uh, tell me why I need to care about them and not just feel sympathy towards them. Mm -hmm. um, I yeah. What else is more. there? Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, I think it's, uh, it's interesting how, I mean, the thing you learn in Witcher is you can trust basically nobody. So it's definitely not an <laughs> Elvish thing. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I was just ultimately happy with the casting for Francesca and mm -hmm. it's very interesting how they're trying to be a part of this in there, how they're trying to, 
you know, how um, Fringilla is desperately trying to re regain face, you know, mm-hmm. recover. Um, like, what do I do? I got to come back to the, to the emperor um, somehow here. What am I going to bring? Well, if I mm-hmm. bring reinforcements, that's something for sure. So I thought yeah. that was, that's an interesting way for her to, to come out of this. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then Yen kind of being just stuck there in the middle, kind of going along with it. So, mm-hmm. um, but, um, we can move we a little bit. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, before we move on from episode two, I do have to say like this episode dropped like two pretty huge bombs that I didn't feel there was a lot of lead up for. Like one oh, yeah. Francesca is pregnant. Oh, okay. <laughs> I got, I got problems. Okay. okay well, sticking on the <laughs> sticking on the elves, Francesca's okay. pregnant. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. And they don't um, explain yeah. how. No. At all. Is this immaculate? Like <laughs> <laughs> that. That really bothered me. Um, not not the fact that she's pregnant, or even that it was going to be like a reveal that she was pregnant, but there was just like she's pregnant and then like total back away from the subject. Yeah. Well, it's kind of asking the, (laughs) you know, asking your, you know, three headed figure, asking your hooded figure that's promising you something, you know, it's like, what do you want? This is what I want. You know, I want this for the elves. I want this for me. And you get it. And yeah, but but I, something like that is always going to cost, you know, that's so it's always, uh, you know, that's the way. Well, magic I just I just feel like her interaction was so vague, like she just was more like, I want a future for the elves and I want a home and I want us to prosper. And I want, you know, there was just so many sure. things it, if she would have said like that way. Yeah, yeah. If she would have said like, I would like to birth a true blood elf and like this is good. You know what I mean? I needed it to be a little bit more because. There wasn't enough, like, yeah, she didn't. I mean, obviously, she didn't need to say that because, you know, who who likes a TV show that, you know, just like lays everything out for you. But there needed to be a little bit more indication of, you know, this is how I want to manifest what I want for the elves, my people. And I guess the other part that you kind of have to just be okay with that they haven't really explained with is, is why. Has there not been a pure blood elf born in yep. so long? Because if she can birth a pure blood elf, right? Is she pure blood herself? Are you telling me she's right. the only one? Because then Francesca seems even more important than what they had described. But it it seems that there's other, not necessarily elder blood, but pure blood elves. Mm-hmm. So I don't know why it's been so long since one's been born. Like, are, mm-hmm. are have they gone sterile for some reason? I just don't know. So. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, it's definitely something you're you're just supposed to take at this point and question. And yeah, maybe they need some answers for that. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay, I'm gonna rant for a little bit here uh, before we move to the next episode. Um, are we Are we going to care more in? We're going to care more in. We're going okay. to care more in. We're just, we're talking. I just want to make sure witches. I'm like you know. Yeah. Into into what I think you're going to rant about. So they showed us a bunch of witchers. And mm-hmm. firstly, I'm like, okay, that's interesting. I didn't know there were that many witchers um, currently, presently. Yeah. Um, that was a thing that um, there are other witcher schools and there's other witchers in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as Kermoran, I don't, um, yeah, I was surprised at how many there were there. We are introduced to some important ones. Um, 
Eskel in particular, and I thought, all right, all right, I can see, I can, I can see it, all right. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Lambert, Lambert looks nothing like uh, like what he's <laughs> he's supposed to. And then, as you mentioned earlier, Besimir is pretty spot on. You know, that's uh, that's great, that's well done. Mm -hmm. Um, my complaint is, I mean, spoilers, Eskel it, Eskel dying. Um, okay. Okay. I'm just, I'm just going to say, I'm so glad your complaint is with Eskel because I actually love the guy who plays Lambert. Like I know, I know he <laughs> Dude, looks nothing. Is... I know he looks yes. nothing like it, but like, I'm just sort of okay with like them just like taking like a total break and this guy's personality, like I'm into it. Just like, I feel like he embodies it dark. That's I mean, okay, maybe. Asking. Again, this is not rocket science. So, like, wh why do you purposely have to deviate? Now, if th maybe this character specifically in the books is like, he's kind of a you know strawberry haired, frizzy haired guy. All right, okay, he's got big hair. Okay, I don't know that. That could be the case. Sure. Again, I'm talking because clearly they've taken a lot of influence from the games for mm -hmm. for important characters for for fan favorites and whatever they've taken stuff from the games um yeah but yes I just, ultimately I just the like personality is there personality I think is like yeah. spot on he yeah. he sort of and i don't know if they were going for this at all and if this was like a thought in their minds he sort of reminds me of game of thrones Tormund giant spain yeah. with like the strawberry blonde you yeah. know what i mean like oh so yeah if they, so if like that's what's going on like i'm actually here for that let's <laughs> kind of love it I love the way he looks. I love the way his personality is. And he's just like a fun guy. I also, I mean, I don't, I don't know about, asshole, but yeah. I don't, well, he is kind of an asshole. I mean, he's yeah. not like, you know, super nice to Siri no. or like, you know, like, oh, it's okay. Like, let me help you through your training. He's kind of like, let me watch you get beaten up. Like, yeah, yeah. this is a good, you know, I could sit down with some meat and whatever yeah. our version of popcorn is and just like watch this all day. Um, so yeah, so I, I quite like him, but I don't know what his importance is, obviously, storyline wise, if that's like, you know, sure. going to be an issue later on down the road. Yep. Well, but yeah, to yeah. get to Eskel, Eskel your problems. Okay. So they killed him. I mean, uh, Eskel is, <laughs> of, of all, yeah, what? of all, of all John, the witchers spoilers. Involved, there's, there's a few mainstays, um, that are kind of important they play a role in series um upbringing and askel is one of them um and so it was very odd and i was very shocked and i mm -hmm. definitely had a, a fit of rage when i saw it i was like no way you're doing this no way you're doing this you have a room <laughs> full of witchers and you take askel and kill him what do you do what is happening here and so i looked like okay did this happen in the books is this a thing that happens in the books mm. and they just change? No, it is not a thing that happens in the books. They purposely okay. did this. Um, the showrunner um, talked about it and I don't buy the excuses. She wants to say that there is, um, they wanted more, they wanted a death, someone meaningful for greater impact. And for, for that to be uh, a reason that Geralt needs to push to train Siri. And I'm I'm calling BS on that because, firstly, from the first episode alone, you have enough reason to need mm -hmm. you to be able to defend yourself. 
she got in a lot, it got a lot of trouble there. She's in major danger. You're around all kinds of major danger. Okay. She's, uh, <laughs> I was just about uh, to do that. Thank you. <laughs> um, but you, you need to know other motivation, um, for this character to need to be able to defend herself. Um, especially when you're going to see how willing she is because she's has a figure now, uh, that Mausak is gone to look up to this like mm -hmm. father figure that she, you know, begins to really, um, respect and wants to be like, so, um, I just don't, I just don't buy it. And I don't understand why they did this. It was a, it's a good character. They could have had around in this mm -hmm. way. Then our only look at Eskel is not an accurate, a reasonable portrayal of Eskel because mm -hmm. Eskel's a nice guy. Like, He's yeah. he's a nice dude, and here he had he had attitude because I was like, okay, well he's injured, and clearly this is affecting him, and he's like messed up, and yeah. okay, all this stuff, and he, they're gonna mm -hmm. fix it, they're gonna deal with it, and instead we no, we never get to see it, and so, um, yeah. yeah, I had I had read an article, and I think it was the showrunner commenting on it, and I, I wish I had saved the article before I realized that we were gonna be talking about it too much, but uh, that that character was was written this these events were written into the show not as escal they were just written in as a witcher does this and then they literally just put the name on the character in the events that they'd written in and you know then you can you can speculate as to why you would just throw a beloved name onto a character so this was not written as escal which is why he seems so off mm -hmm. right which is mm -hmm. and, and why they were willing to toss it out. But like, I guess the showrunner just decided, yep, we're going to use this character name that people know. And mm -hmm. to me, the only explanation you can do that for then is shock value. But yeah, then you question, exactly. okay, so, so what for? Because me right. as a person who hasn't played the games, I don't know Esco from any other Witcher. So mm -hmm. I don't care. So it doesn't carry yeah. any weight for me. So yeah. literally right. all you've done is tick off the people who do care. Yep. Yeah. I, 100% agree with your statement. Like, as someone coming in brand new, I was just introduced to Eskel, so I don't really have any attachment to him other than, like, ooh, he's a named character. Like, maybe he's going to be important, but yeah. I don't have any of that actual buildup to care about him. Um, and you've just now taken him away. And I don't think that there's there's much emotional impact in that. I don't think there's there's enough of us seeing that relationship between him and Geralt for us to understand that like his death is the impetus for him to start training Siri. I did write it down in my notes. Like, obviously I can see that he is affected and now he's like going to do this with her because of this death. But as an audience member, like I don't actually have emotional investment in that. I can logically see the train of thought, but I'm not there with it emotionally. So I, so I could have, it really could have been any other witcher at this point, you know, it really just could have been some rando that came home. You know, I have no, I still have no attachment to you. Don't, at this point, you don't even need to give him a name if you don't want to. Right. Um, and it, and it would have had about the same impact for me, the viewer. And it yeah. would have had the same impact, I think for maybe not Geralt, um, but but you could have like stretched that and just said like you know he saw a fellow witcher go down they're all brothers and and yeah exactly and wanted to then train Siri to defend herself but I think it would have had the same impact for Vesemir 
you know, because his whole thing this season, um, you know, even though we're just getting introduced to him, I can already tell that like his thing is he's a father figure to all these witchers. He wants to make more. He's lost so many. He feels like those losses, the numbers are dwindling, like, you know, and that's his pain. And he sort of like wants to um, replace them, not directly, but like indirectly by making more of this brotherhood. So you could have lost any Witcher and that would have had the same impact for every character. Yeah, you guys bring up good points with that. Cause I, I didn't think of that. Having known this character for so long, it's like, <laughs> yeah, of course. If you didn't know, like, what, what, which, or, which one would it matter? Pick a name. Yeah, one. it doesn't. It yeah. doesn't. Truly, the, the way the show dealt with it. Now, this would have been later in the season. We would have, like, seen Eskel. Maybe he, like, struggled with this wound that the Leshy gave him and, like, you know, things are happening with his character. Later on down the road, absolutely, this this scene would have been like, ugh, you know, like gut-wrenching perhaps as we see his relationship build up. But he's there and he's gone. Well, and then why even, why? Because I thought, okay, he's this is how he's going to get extra scarred. The character Eskel is supposed yeah. to be, you know, very, yeah. very mm-hmm. messed up. Uh, spaces so, so they're gonna have to get this out of him and he's gonna he's gonna right. feel the physical consequence from it so right i was on board until there and especially then they killed him and it was for nothing because he didn't actually kill the source right. the thing that he was attacked him that then infected him was still alive so he really you know was like meaningless well- well, it wasn't completely meaningless because he brought back the arm that then Geralt and Triss were able yeah. to determine that, like, somebody was making these creatures and it's, like, from the same source. But, again, we didn't really need, like, Eskel to be the one to do yeah. that. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, again, any other Witcher would have sac- would have been, like, a great sacrifice in his place to advance the storyline and we would have just been like, okay, bye. Yep. And so it's, this is it's a really minor, bummer for me. Yeah. Mm, no, go ahead, Mike. Minor tangent, and then I want to hear more about John being angry about this because that just <laughs> gives me big kicks. I love it. <laughs> My favorite thing. Um, so far, from season one and it's season two up to this point, all you have shown me about witchers is that they s- suck at being witchers. Like mm. these are supposed to be, from my understanding, literally bred and made to fight off these monsters successfully to a greater degree than anyone else. We saw uh, a witcher get lost to the Stiga in the first Mm -hmm. season, right? We heard about other witchers being killed. Now we've seen Eskel, who was supposed to be a great one, killed, you know, in a sense. Uh, And Mm -hmm. they talk about, Vesemir says, makes a line like, you know, fire to the heart. And it took you 60 minutes to come to that conclusion. Like, why do these guys come off as amateurs? Why do they yeah. keep doing that? I, I yeah. asked my brother-in-law, I was like, so this must mean that Geralt is like the greatest of the witchers ever, right? He's right. like, no, not really. Yeah. No. Like, yeah, even, even you know, I I adore like the character of Lambert and I loved his like hilarious story about like, oh, I was supposed to like go fight off a monster and instead it was like the stable hand sneaking in to have some time with the wife. And I was just like, that is a hilarious story. But, like, when I think about the stories that Geralt could tell of his year, 
Like, none of them were just so mundane like that. You know what I mean? Like, Geralt, like, traveled with, you know, a party to hunt dragons, saw a golden dragon. Like, you know, there was just so many, like, different, like, crazy things that happened to him. And, like, I don't know if this is just, like, a warm-up and you've got better stories, but it doesn't seem like anybody else is doing these epic things. Right. And I kind of wanted to, like, hear more about that because... I, I mean, as much fun as I think, you know, it is that Geralt, like, is truly something special, I do want his, like, Witcher brothers to be a little bit more. It's uh, 100%. 100 150%. It's, um, it's one of the biggest issues with the show. Um, you know, in the Witcher 2 game, there is a Witcher named Letho, and he is... Uh, he is an equal to Geralt for sure. Like they mm -hmm. are, they're going at it. And the difference with Geralt is that the, the rumor is that witchers, you know, they, they pull out of them all ability to have emotion. So they're always mm -hmm. thinking people meet him in the world and they think they're these cold hearted, you know, can feel nothing things. And they are just out there for money and they take any job and kill monsters and clean up your business and whatever, you know? And that's a lot of witchers, and they're really good at it. The difference with Geralt is he can't help himself but get involved with the political affairs of the nation. He's always okay. getting he's getting mixed up with sorceresses who are or like historically very dishonest and have their own like agendas. And then mm -hmm. he's dealing with kings and queens and whatever. And Vesemir and others are like just stay out of it. Stay out of it. Like we're we we protect people from monsters. We take bounties on monsters and evil things. Mm -hmm. Don't get involved in like you know these human affairs. And uh, he can't help it. That's the difference. It's not that Geralt's the ultimate super witcher. And so Geralt does some pretty cool things, but could be cooler. Mm -hmm. I th still yeah. think. And and yeah, we need to see these other people be be awesome and we're right. not we're really yeah. not and so esco would have been a great opportunity to have someone that they could have done something to together and seen uh you know it's like again okay some of these other witchers maybe they're newer they're younger they're not as good or whatever you know mm -hmm. but some of these core witchers um no they need to they need to step it up so well lambert lambert is supposed to be one of the last ones that was made right uh most recent yeah he's younger so, I think. yep mm -hmm. yeah um, before they, they lost the ability to create more. He was one of the last yeah, the ones. attack there and stuff. Yeah. yeah. So to your point, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, maybe he, maybe that's why he's dealing with, uh, uh, farmhands or whatever that are sneaking in. But also <laughs> we're, we're talking about centuries, right? These, yeah, these guys they live, live for a long centuries. Time. Mm -hmm. And so even the youngest one should be very well versed at this point. Right. Right. Like we should, we should have some really cool story. Again, we don't need to be like hunting golden dragons and like, you know, having those kinds of like crazy encounters, or at least that's the way, you know, first season made it seem that this was just like so unbelievable, but we should be having something cool. Like, I mean, that was, that was the only story we heard from the witchers. You know what I mean? Except for Eskel's like very anticlimactic battle with Aleshi where Vesemir was like, boy like yeah you know this is like back to basics and you definitely you know screwed it up 
So well, one guy did get a chunk of his ass taken out by a werewolf. Sorry. That's but right, but we like we like <laughs> brush <laughs> right past that. Yeah. Like yeah. that story. <laughs> tell me about a werewolf ass biting. Like well, <laughs> you know, even even Geralt, I think, is underutilized. They do cool sword fights with him, but that's not always the best thing for monsters. And I it's like mm-hmm. They're underutilized. They're not showing a lot of his abilities in the game. Yeah, I remember in the second game, you need to use some a lot. You can um, one of his curses he throws at someone makes it so it attacks your their teammates. So you could be fighting Nilf Guardian people, throw a curse at them, and they fight each other mm-hmm. to the death. You know, or cool. a thing where you do it and it locks them in place. The creature can move into the thing and then they're stuck in a spot they kind of freeze like there's different powers that are involved here they could mm-hmm. use let me see them coat their blades with oil they're doing that all the time you know crossbow use your yeah. cross like no one has a bow in this thing you know where are your bows um like i just the the someone's not using their imagination here yeah That's I, where I, I think, agree you know so. yeah i mean we 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 get like the very brief like you know, Geralt sets his sword on fire to deal with the leshy or like, mm-hmm. you know, makes it cool. molten hot. Great. Yep. Awesome. I'd love to see more of something like that. Or, you know, very early on in the first episode of the second season, um, I forgetting the creature's name, um, you know, that the woman that's living with the, his cursed friend. Oh, yeah. The Abraxi all the, or whatever. Yeah. The Abraxi, yeah thank yeah. you. Yeah. Yep. So he does like hit her with some magic. To like, you know, get her off of him and get her away from Siri. And like there's there's very very brief flashes of other things that Geralt can do, but we don't really get into them. They're not like a regular part of his, you know, fighting repertoire. It really is, like you said, just the sword. Um mm-hmm. so it'd be cool to like explore more of that. I, and where are I the was... other witchers doing this stuff? Yeah, right. Yeah. Who who else has got something else unique? you know, or different that they've got going on for their fighting style. Season two does show him using a few more of his powers. Like if you look back into season yes. one, right? Season one is yep. basically all force push. And yeah. that's yeah. what I'm going to call it. Cause that's what it is to me. Yes. Mm-hmm, every, sure. every single thing. Uh, Ard. Thank you. Um, <laughs> right away. Then this time in season one, right? We see him calming the horse. Is that the Axie? Is that Axie? Um, we yeah, see him calming so. the horse right away yeah and then yeah we see him light up his sword and then there's a few other ones that come throughout the as fire well. like you say yep, is, yep. Yeah. i mean so i was happy to see that a little bit and i was yes. thinking maybe that's coming with budget right maybe that's yep. why sure we're right. do it yep um but yeah i i would like to hear about the other witchers for sure yep. mm-hmm. Um, so we might as well get into, uh, episode three and four then, um, mm-hmm. three, what's happening in three, Andrea? Yeah. So this is, you know, kind of series, big training moment, you know, not only is she like going at it hard, she's like practicing her sword skills against a straw man, but then, you know, the other witches are kind of giving her a hard time and being like, well, if you really want to train and you really want to be you know, one of us, you're going to run this sort of like gauntlet that we have built. And Siri mm-hmm. just kind of, she, on the one hand, gets her ass kicked like up and down this training field. And on the other, like starts to win the witchers over because she's clearly so determined and she's not giving up and she's not, you know, going home, or, you know, running to Geralt crying or whatever. She's just like picking herself up and being like, I'm going to do it again. Um, yep. 
so yeah, so there's there's definitely some fun moments for her um interacting with the other witchers and us seeing them be like, Yeah, you're an asshole, but all right, like, you know, you, you can't help yourself, you know, you're you're you are a little bit rooting for her, which is great. Um yeah. and then obviously, of course, uh, you know, Tris Tris is here at, at Caremoran, um for multiple reasons, as as Geralt says, like, you know, to figure out what's going on um, with Siri, help train her, kind of help him figure out what's going on um, with these these monsters that are coming as well. Yep. Yeah, we should talk about Siri a little bit. I think that, um, in my opinion, they did a great job with the cast on this, and I think she's putting in a good performance. I'm buying what's happening here with mm -hmm. her. Um what do you think, Mike? What do you think of Siri? I like her. Like, I like the actress a lot and mm -hmm. her portrayal of it. Um, I, I like that she, you know, Lambert and the rest of the witchers kept making references to the fact that she's a princess. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, she's always had this underlying thing of hiding the fact that she is a princess in some degree, like with knuckle bones and whatnot. Uh, and this is just a really cool way for her to show that she is not merely a princess um you know and that i, I kind of wonder a little bit where that determination comes from you know this is the first time we're really seeing it which is fine you got to see it for the first time somewhere um but certainly in the way that she was raised that level of determination would never have had to manifest itself by mm -hmm. any means and I mean, she took, like you said, she took a huge amount of beatings. She mm -hmm. was coughing up blood right by the end yep. of it. I mean, mm -hmm. that is that is a special kind of determination that has to come through. Um, but I mm -hmm. still think it was cool. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's probably leading into Siri um, really trying to find her place and how she belongs. And if she feels like she can belong here, she's determined to to make that so because she's looking up to Geralt and no one else is accepting her. Um, maybe mm -hmm. this is a, is a, like you say, it's a two part way to try to gain the respect of the place that she's, she's in now. And it's kind of like you said, your, your goals on something of like, you know, she's never exactly satisfied with, well, I'm the princess and I'm going to marry someone. And then, you know, like take, you know, that's not, so it's something more to shoot for or something very different in this case. Mm -hmm. Um, that's a good point that, you know i can see her pushing. she did say in season one too that um um they she wanted to know about the the nilf guardians coming towards Sintra, and they were mm -hmm. trying to hide it from her basically yeah. uh her grandmother was and then she's like you know um siri said by by the time you were my age you had already won your first battle so there might right. be she wants to live up to her grandmother a little bit Mm -hmm. right yeah i mean she she does repeatedly reference like her grandmother in different moments you know that's true yeah my my grandmother you know was a fierce warrior like later on in the season she's like my grandmother wore dresses and she fought battles like you know she clearly holds her in like very high esteem and is in some way i think consciously or unconsciously trying to live up to her legend yep yep totally makes sense um all right, and uh, so obviously anything else from episode three, but then episode four, we're um, so we're we're getting into some more of the politics. We're seeing things going around. Andrew, you'd mentioned in here in your comments about uh, Stregobor being like very uh, oh my 
God. Jump to things, you know. Um, he he is the worst in this episode. Like he just like takes such large leaps and people follow him. And I'm just like, this is like the least convincing thing I've ever heard. So see, but the people are going along with it, it seems. And so that was my frustration is you need someone else to be able to counter to this guy, someone that can stand up and speak because, you know, to say, yeah, like. Right. She only tries something, you know, like, right. She only tries to a point and then she just like lets it happen. And I'm super frustrated about it because, yeah, he just like gets these like really big opportunities to speak to a bunch of people and just say some like very you know gaslighting fear-mongering yeah. crap that doesn't even like logically follow itself it's just like big huge like what if this happens could this be like you know what i mean and there's no like okay i'm logically gonna like lay it out point a point b point c point d it's literally just like did you see this one thing this one time the obviously it will ha- yeah it's just there's just such large, like, logical leaps that you have to make to follow his arguments and to just, like, buy into them that they just don't feel real. But somehow everybody's like, oh, yeah, like, great <laughs> point. You know, he's like, let me conjure this, like, fire person and, yeah. and be like, ooh, it's fire. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's, a show. It's, it, it is all show. And it's it's just so hollow and empty. That as an as an audience member, I was like, I mean, I get why this is happening and I get where they're going with this character. And and he's going to obviously create problems for Yennefer because he's never liked her. But it just seems like such a big leap that the entire rest of the Brotherhood is like totally. Yeah. So, well, yeah, even Istred uh, or whatever his name is, you know, the mage, like he attempted yeah. to come in and correct some things, but then gave up right away. You yeah, know? it was just so weak. Like, it was just sort yeah. of like, oh, like it wouldn't happen. And then he's like, but what if it did? And he's like, oh. yeah, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like you are completely cowed by an argument of like, what if it did? <laughs> like, yeah. it just, I don't know. So Stregobor was just like really getting on my nerves in this episode because it just it was like. First, he, you know, like was creating this like um, elves are dangerous and terrible and everybody knows it. And it's like, mm-hmm. OK, okay, I guess, you know, and then he was like, and what if Yennefer came back from the dead because she's, you know, evil and scary and everybody's like, ooh. And then again, he's like, I created this fire thing. What if she's like this fire thing that happened a long time ago? Ooh, like it was just so much like fear-mongering without any basis in fact that yeah yep. i was i was quite tired of it by episode's he, end that's pretty consistent with his character actually though because yeah <laughs> you know his his whole idea with um destroying renfrey um yeah right off yeah. the bat was based yeah. off of this this silly hunch and he's he's kind of you know painted to be this guy who claims that he's doing autopsies but he's already he's just you know confirmation biasing himself right basically so like who who let him have any say ever like whoever was like this guy knows what he's talking about you know he should be on the (laughs) brook like where did he get get that in in the first place because he clearly sucks yeah yep all right well we should talk about episode four indeed the last one here um so we are introduced to dijkstra 
which is an awesome character and a great cast. Um, I thought they, uh, I'm excited to see where they go with, uh, with Dijkstra. Um, he's in the uncharted games, uh, just a voice, but, uh, he's, that's why <laughs> you I know, know what else from. he's in. What else is he in? It's something we love and we've talked about on the show a lot. It's animated, but it's not anime, as you very rightly pointed out to me. Oh, Castlevania probably, right? Yes. Okay. He's Dracula. Yeah. Okay. He's an outlander, too. This guy is getting he around. Is. Nice. He is. Yep. I remember him from there, too. Yeah. His, his like, facial hair is just, I think, like, his whole image. <laughs> it's beautiful yeah. and wonderful and so iconic. It's good. It's good. So I... uh as soon as I saw him, I, I always love seeing something I'm familiar with because the world's big. There's a lot that I don't know for sure. Um, this episode, we're seeing uh, we're seeing him get involved. Um, we see he's behind some uh, talking to some different rulers and stuff like that. We get some more also making a play for Sintra, which yep. you know I'm assuming is going to be a thing later in the season or other seasons. Right. Yep. Um, Andrea, you mentioned, uh, say, you say, um, no mention of Yennefer. Come on. Yes. This is consistent. This is, uh, this is a good point. Um, clearly there's like a love triangle here or an attempted one. Um, And, uh, yeah, not cool, man. Like I really (laughs) like Tris and you know what, if, if Yennefer was gone, like, you know, go for it. I mean, you know, if she's actually like dead and gone, like, you know, there's nothing from stopping you from taking your shot. You know, he could still reject you. Or if you do tell him that she's alive, which she doesn't, but if you do and he has, you know, no reaction or like not the reaction you expect or like he's like, I've let her go or whatever. Again, shoot your shot, girl. But you can't keep something like she's alive and in the world from him and shoot your shot. I'm not okay with that. That's that's breaking some major girl code. <laughs> um, and then we have the whole like, okay, Siri has elder blood. We'd mentioned that before. Yes. Um, so you know, we've got we've got people after. We've got the flame guy. He's the one trick pony. I've got a mm-hmm. flame finger, um, <laughs> acting and stuff. And um, so this is, I'm trying to read your notes so I don't go past where Siri is where towards the end of this episode. So they've just defeated the creepy centipede thing who, that, that comes after her after killing the Leshy. Um, and then weirdly like pauses before he's got her cornered and there's this whole like big moment and i didn't know if that was like significant or not because then later on we find out that the centipede has the same compound in it that the leshy had and it's tied to this monolith that siri claims she might have accidentally toppled and i'm not sure if this is like a dream thing or if it happened when she like had that scream on the planes where like everything around her like topple over and possibly died. So okay. yeah, there's sort of a little bit of confusion there for me. Sure. Um, what exactly that's about. <laughs> okay. Okay. Oh, so, Alex, um, I mean, the centipede monster is a myriapod, which is a sweet name. It is cool. I like that. And it totally conveys what it is. 
myriapod. Nice. I dig it. Well, I, I'm asking because some of your notes seem to suggest stuff that's a little later than that. Uh, well, um, yeah. So, so they, they, yeah, the compound that they find um, is kind of right before then. They also find out that Siri has elder blood. Um, and that's sort of where that storyline for me, you know, has stopped at, at episode four. Um, and then, of course, right after that, we switch back to Yennefer and um, the the Knight of Nilfgaard, Cahir, who are trying to escape and get to Sintra. And possibly, like, for Cahir, he's going to, like, maybe put Fringilla back in her place because she's kind of, you know, grown a little big for her britches and is sort of, like, taking over. And he's sort of, like, weirded out that she's calling all the shots right now for Nilfgaard. Um, okay. But, yeah, kind of unclear about that. Yeah. It's interesting how that's going to... There's some cool stuff coming up with that. Um I don't want to like I don't want to verge into stepping into the next episode because, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, there's some there are definitely some neat things that happen with that yet. And um, it's hard for me to bite my tongue, I guess. So, <laughs> yeah, but I'm sorry. So, I'm holding you guys no, back. It's all right. For, so um, based on um, first half of season two, um, we'll, we'll go to Andrea because that's you've seen. What do you think? Mm -hmm. I mean, is it living up to your expectation? Yeah. So I think that certain elements are, um, you know, like you've said, I think some of the technical aspects have improved on the show. Um, a lot of the effects have everything feels still within like a grounded real world. Uh, characters are very, are, for the most part, very compelling. Mike, I do agree with you that like Yennefer's losing a lot of direction for me and I'm very frustrated with her. Um, so I'm a little disappointed that perhaps that doesn't get corrected in the second half of the season. Um, but, but overall, I'm, and I'm still very much like on the edge of my seat, wondering what's happening next with, you know, like the overarching storylines. I'm excited to get to the second half of the season. Um, so I would say I would give it overall a thumbs up. I'm, I'm happy with the, with the season, not quite as happy as season one though. Okay. All right. Well, I think we'll leave it there then, unless uh, anyone has <laughs> anything else to say. Um, that's been Popcast on the Rocks, episode 89, and our talk of Witcher, season one, and the first half of season two from Netflix. You should follow us here on Twitch or YouTube. Uh, I, I'm throwing in Instagram now. I'm like watching too many people that have Instagram. <laughs> like, we got we to get on there, I guess. Uh, <laughs> Twitter, Facebook, whatever. Follow us on your favorite podcast directory of choice. Subscribe there. Please leave uh, reviews. That helps people find us. Thank you to Killing the Flower for our theme song. Uh, you can find them on Instagram, YouTube, and uh, Spotify. So go ahead and check them a look. And otherwise, that'll be it. Mike, is there anything you'd like to promote or anything like that before? That's what you people can... on podcasts do. Like, what do you... Uh... Yeah. You know, if, if you want to be thoroughly bored by uh, Miata Boy, Track Boy, wannabe stuff, uh, and see a car progression and just uh, dumb things about that, I'm at Track Mouse on uh, Instagram, and that's the only kind of social media I've got. So, okay, cool, all right, yeah. excellent. This has been really fun. Well, great. Thanks for yeah. Thanks for joining us. You're gonna have to come back for the latter half mm -hmm. of the 
series here. <laughs> and um, as always, of course, thank you, Andrea, for being here. And we'll see everybody next time. Sounds good. Cool. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. <laughs>